Hello, this is Richard C. Wilson from the Family Office Club. We're doing a member spotlight interview today. Today we have with us Michael Scott as well as Peter Doherty. Uh, welcome both of you. Thanks, Richard. Appreciate having us on. Thank you, Richard. Sure. So um, why don't we go, Michael, first and just uh, introduce yourself, maybe uh, just a quick summary of, of what you do at, at Canopreneurs. Sure, sure. I'm a CEO and founder of Canopreneur Partners, and uh, you know, we're a cannabis-based holding company. And, you know, essentially what we focus on is, you know, finding amazing entrepreneurs. That's part of the reason why I asked, you know, Peter to come on board because, you know, he would be an example of one of those entrepreneurs we find. So what we do is we like to find these early stage businesses. We, we like higher risk investments, early stage. Uh, and essentially we like to bring capital, you know, business strategy and leadership to the table to help for explosive growth. Okay. Great. And um, Peter, I know you met Michael, and then that's how we all connected here for this call to kind of explore what you both do and how they relate to each other. Um, so can you explain a little bit about your company and what you're up to? First of all, I want to thank uh, Michael because he's made my day because I can tell my wife that somebody said I was amazing on a Friday morning. So <laughs> I'm going to utilize that. Um, so uh, CEO of Orion Partners, which is a enabling technology for the cultivation production market. And essentially the problem we're solving is helping these multi-state operators that have acquired a number of properties figure out how to use those systems to scale production because they're struggling with that right now. And especially in given the time that we're going through right now with C-19, the ability to take an asset that they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars on and enable them to uh, create more grams per square foot with that production is a great outcome for them. So that's what we're up to. Okay, sure. And I know, um, Michael, you look at a deal a day, literally sometimes more in the cannabis space. And when you look at startups, everyone has great projections. No one's showing a bad projection. So how do you sift through all of that? You obviously thought uh, Peter was a, a top 1% or 0.1% of all the stuff that you're seeing. Can you talk sure. to us a little bit about, you know, your mentality on, on picking the teams and picking the leaders and how, how you came to pick Peter? Sure. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, a skill that's been developed over time. And I, I would tell you, it's not always easy to do because, I mean, if you think about founders and CEOs and, and, and polished leaders that have sales skills, it, it can they can oftentimes be very intriguing. You're kind of caught up into everything. But uh, it, it's important, you know, in the world of private placement investing, it's critical that you're really understanding all the risks, you know, and, and, and I tell investors, because the, the, the second part of what we do is we invest directly in companies like Peter, but then we also help uh, you know, bring in strategic investors, both smaller and larger investors to help you know, boost these businesses through to the next level. So it's critical for us, you know, cause we, you know, you know, basically live and die based on our reputation and our track record. So it's critical for us to make sure we're, we're vetting, we're understanding every risk, we're understanding, hey, well, what's the likelihood of this uh, entrepreneur being successful? And so, you know, one of the things about Peter that I thought was interesting and, and part of the reason why I personally invested in Peter and I was one of the very early, earliest stage investors is number one, I believed in Peter. I, I just felt a sincere sense of integrity and I, I, I believe in vetting for integrity. A lot of businesses don't, don't focus on that as much. But number two, I also think that the marketplace, you know, has to actually have a need for a service. And Peter, you know, I simplify what his company does and taking, you know, these cultivations that have millions and millions of 
dollars worth of cannabis growing and helps them really optimize that grow and the slightest fine tuning of that environment really can help create you know millions and millions of dollars per quarter of extra yield or the other side is you prevent it from actually falling apart and when you look at globally what's happened to the public markets you know uh, a lot of these companies one of the areas they were weak in and why the stock prices declined they weren't hitting their revenue numbers so peter's kind of technology hardware and software directly hits kind of what a big gaping gap is in the industry. And, and, and I actually learned this from you, um, Richard, is I look for choke points in an industry. I believe that is a choke point. So mm-hmm. I believe I found a guy that's actually got a value proposition to help blow through a choke point. And now he's even fine tuning and we're, we're kind of redesigning the, um, the monetization model where I think he's making it even bigger no brainer for these businesses to hire him. Right, right. So if we zoom out, it's basically, you know, Canapreneurs is not an investment bank. It's not, you know, a placement agent capital raising team. It's really a holding company. So you're really acting differently out there than than other organizations. You're not um, a family office. You're also not an operator of a single cultivation spot. And so what you're seeing is kind of the view of the forest and how now all these cultivation centers are open. Some of the retail centers, all these different iterations on, you know, CBD and cannabis related products. And I guess you're saying that Peter's software and solutions are able to optimize the output. And now that things are actually operational uh, across hundreds of locations, if not thousands, um, you can optimize that, that output and their net profits and their ability to be very effective versus like at the beginning, it was a huge rush just to get permits and a rush to get open and a rush to see if it was all kind of real operationally. Now we're at that, you know, it's still maybe the third or fourth inning, but you know, now there's a lot of real businesses out there that need optimization, I guess. That's what this is filling the need for. Absolutely. And, and, and as Peter was pitching me, you know, and he's phenomenal at what he does in pitching. In fact, uh, you know, Peter's raised over $100 million, you know, in the tech sector before he got into cannabis. So he's good at what he does. But I, I couldn't believe everything he was saying at face value, right? You just can't. That's not the way it works when you're doing the Shark Tank game, right? right so, right. <laughs> you know, even though he's talking about these increased yields, I had to validate that, right? So I said, great, give me, you know, some of the names of, of who's utilizing your stuff. And to my shock and surprise, he was, he's actually already working with some of the biggest brands in the industry. And so I said, hey, I'd like to talk to that cultivator. And, and I didn't just talk to him on the phone, but at first I talked to him on the phone, then I went there in person. And then I actually got in the trenches, learned why does he believe Peter's software and hardware is valuable? Mm-hmm. And, and what I quickly learned was, you know, this particular big multi-state operator had 11 cultivations in various states around the country. And he said, look, we're out producing and out yielding all of the other sister cultivations because of Peter. And then he said, he went on to say, I actually believe we're on our way to actually creating some of the best yields and creating a world record. Now, Maybe that's true, maybe it's not. But one thing I did walk away from knowing is at the end consumer level, he was a raving fan of Peter's product, right? Then I brought him to one of my portfolio companies and, you know, to further vet him, because I said, you know what, I want to see if the CEO of my cultivation retail business, you know, and, you know, the actual cultivator themselves will also feel the same way as that other, you know, maybe somewhat biased cultivator. They basically hired him on the spot in the second meeting, right? So I started getting real world proof and validity that the end consumer wants what he's delivering. Right. And that's important. You have to do that when you're vetting these businesses. Right, right. Yeah. And um, 
So if, it, if, it, if an investor is listening to this, maybe they've invested in cannabis before, maybe, maybe they have not. Um, either way, what do you think the number one due diligence question is, you know, Peter or Michael, that somebody should be asking you? Um, most people don't, and you don't know why they're not. They're asking other questions because their knowledge is here and yeah. it's not up here. They don't know what they don't know. Is there any suggestions you have for if they're looking at an investment with one of you two or a different investment in the industry, what to ask? Yeah. So I, I think one of our differentiators, one of our edges, you know, it's very common for businesses to look at pro formas, to look at the pitch decks, look at the legal documents. Like I, I look at those as, yes, yeah, so those are must do's, right? One of the different things that we do is I'm really big on track record of success, right? So if somebody that I'm meeting is pitching me has a consistent and compelling track record of success, that's one of the biggest predictors of future success. But then I go a level deeper. What I'm really vetting for Richard is emotional intelligence. Because in the cannabis industry, you're going to get more curveballs than most industries. You can't make it in other industries. You're not going to make it in this one. So that was one of the things I vetted for Peter. Like, I mean, he's delivered 5X return investors, uh, 5X returns to previous investors. He's raised over $100 million. He's actually already done what he's doing in the cannabis industry in other industries, right? So right, these are right. one of the key things, you know, because now if I've got a track record of success, I, I've got something that I can, you know, build integrity and trust and confidence on. So Right, right. So, Peter, I know Michael looks at you and, you know, he's basically saying it's about the leader, it's about the team, it's about the track record of success. We talked a little bit about the macro opportunity, but you yourself investing your own time and energy in this, dedicating you know, years of your life, getting this off the ground, getting it fully up to speed, et cetera. Um, what would you say you're most focused on to make this a big success? Or what, what else besides your, your own track record um, and kind of that macro view do you think investors should be, you know, could keep in mind or be thinking through, you know, while speaking to you? Yeah, I think track records are really important, but they're, that's really all they are is a record of the past. And um, what you're investing in is, today that person's ability to execute based on the market requirement and the solution they're bringing to the table. And the driver behind that in every case and every company I've been in, this is my fifth early stage company, is the team. And so what I try to do is attract rock stars. Most of the guys I'm working with, I've worked with in two or three companies previously. Um, so number one, we work together, we know how to operate together. And then what we've done is attracted additional rock stars to help us execute. And I think um, just to reflect back something that Michael said, one of the really important, so I've got the, this, we're a seed stage company at this point, but I've got the GM from Amazon as an investor, the former CFO and vice chairman from GE as an investor. And Michael's the only one that came in, met the grower and the grower literally said to him, we went from 40 grams a square foot to 90, which 90 grams a square foot to them means $10 million a year in return on investment. Wow. The reason I was able to do that wasn't because of my track record. It's because of the, the guys I've got around me from an engineering perspective that do all the work behind the curtain to make sure that we can drive value for customers. And what happens is when you can drive gramps per square foot production increases, it's in, the ROI is one growth cycle for our platform right now. So it's really compelling. Um, but the whole, the, the center of that universe is the team and their ability to operate and compete in a really um, difficult and wild and woolly market, which is the cannabis market. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, that's amazing results. I would guess that even if they increase production by 
7%, it would probably more than pay for your solution. I mean, 7% would... to them is a million dollars a year on an annualized basis, Richard. And mm -hmm. our cost is 50,000. So if they improve by one or 2%, they exactly. get their money back. Exactly. Yeah, interesting. Wow, uh, that's pretty pretty enormous potential numbers there. And you it have is. a functional, functional product. It sounds like already you're able to be beta testing this with some additional. It's, yeah, so we're in right? commercial deployments with a couple of the large multi-state operators, uh, a few others that we're going to pilot with, and then a bunch of single-site operators that are mostly strategic uh, implementation. So what we decided to do, we've done tech before, and what we decided to do was build the product, beta test it, and then announce it to the market, not the other way around. So it's a commercial release mm -hmm. product now. That's smart. Maybe that comes from your tech background, knowing just how hard it is to raise capital when there's nothing functional yet, there's nothing proven yet, there's no track record, there's no ROI yep. on the people using it. I mean, that is just it's very hard to raise capital for something like that. Exactly. Versus having beta test examples and pointing to it because yep. those people might become your investors, first of all. And then second of all, you can just have them go visit it like Michael did. So out of everything we've talked about, you know, I think that is very interesting for anyone listening to this because it's so rare. A lot of pre-seed companies don't have that. So someone's listening and they're about to launch a company, I would definitely get something commercially viable before they raise capital, if at all possible. And usually people just have the attitude of, oh, that's not possible. We need to raise $5 million first. Otherwise, we don't have anything to, to deploy yet, et cetera. And it's a chicken and egg situation that I guess you guys have been able to navigate. Yeah, it's really interesting because we've done it before. The, t the majority of the team works uh, because they're dedicated to the idea. They work for equity only right now until we close the Series A, and then they go on salary and equity. Okay. So it's it's sort of the um, uh, the special forces version of how to start an early-stage company and get a team that's dedicated to each other, the ideals of what you're going to build. Go out and build it and then get paid for it, not right. the other way around. Right, right. Yeah, that's great. That's different than what, how a lot of people approach it. Yep. Um, anything else that either of you, one of you want to communicate during this interview before? I know we maybe not got a chance to uh, ask some of the questions you might have liked me to, um, but anything else you want to address? I'll let Michael go first. Um, I don't know. Let me see. Anything else I'd like to address? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess my, my – I'd just say a kind of a message to investors is that um, right now, with everything that's going on, I know a lot of the world is kind of going into defense. I think this is one of the best damn times ever to be an offense. And I think that you're getting the best deals in private investments. I think if you're looking at publicly traded investments, um, you know, I, I think it's really difficult to focus on positivity during chaotic times. But I think yep. for you, um, man, there's, there's just, tremendous opportunity so i would just say you know for investors the opportunistic i think right now uh, an investment offering you know like peter's you know tech and cannabis or cannabis overall it may not be first thing that comes to mind but what you got to remember is you know, if you pick the right player in an already depressed market and then you take a, a very nascent market like cannabis it gets even more beat up because of the volatility while wow, you're getting some amazing, amazing prices, you know, and, and psychologically, people don't think like that, right? When a price is going right. down, like, oh, it's junk, I don't want to go in. Well, I want to, I want to buy it when it's going up like this. Guess what? When your share price is expensive, it's the worst possible time to buy. Right. People applied the logic of grocery shopping, and you know, like if you see tuna at a discount, it makes sense to buy twice as much, right? But people. Right 
apply that to investing. And, and, and so this is why your average, like, you know, your average, what we call odd lot investor actually loses when it comes to the investment game. The vast mm-hmm. majority right. come close to getting what the S&P 500 index will make. Right, right. Yeah, no, that definitely a very good point. And I think that's uh, relevant to anybody listening. Um, you know, if you have some liquidity or the ability to invest a little bit, it's going to get you a lot more than it will three years from now, assuming things recover or, you know, 18 months from now and a vaccine is out and things have mostly recovered, et cetera. So, uh, Peter, anything else uh, from you before I wrap it up? Two things, if you don't mind. One is sure. the reason Michael and I are working together is because of the um, ethos which with Michael is approaching the market. And his uh, ability to dig in, um, do the work, and then understand how to operate in difficult times, which is these are the times to define people and define who you are as a person, I think, the most difficult things. And then secondly, what makes this different? What we're doing right now is the technology that we're using to enable these large operators is a virtual system. So we can operate where, you know, the market right now, there's no travel uh, right. nobody's jumping on planes. We're doing an installation right now, virtually with one of the largest operators in Canada hmm. by, and everything's going to be virtual. So nice. we're literally installing. So we're a pick and shovel company, but the picks and shovels are really data, uh, that travels virtually. So it's a great time right. to be a virtual implementation company like we are. Right, right. Yeah, that's great. And uh, subscription, reoccurring revenue companies are exactly. the, the hot thing of the last three to five years. Everyone's going that direction from Microsoft to even our family office club is, is subscription based. So it's yep. kind of on point there too, which is uh, great. Awesome. Well, then uh, what, what would be the best thing for someone to do if they wanted to reach out to learn more? Where can they get hold of you guys and um, you know, start a conversation? So, you know, I mean, if they're wanting to learn just about cannabis investing overall, wanting to get in touch with me, cannapurpartners.com would be the best bet in terms of, you know, finding me. And you can actually learn about Peter's company either, you know, through me. And of course, you know, the, the viewpoint I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you kind of from a, an investor's realm, kind of what you should be thinking about both in the risks and the reward. And then, um, Peter, if you want to share your website, we'll reach out to you directly. Yeah, orionpartners.org. Uh, O-R-I-O-N. Okay. Partners. Great. And appreciate the opportunity, Richard. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem at all. And uh, once our live events start back up in uh, a couple months when the CDC gives us a thumbs up, then uh, we'll see you both maybe one of those live events here soon. Look forward to it. Take care. Cheers. Thanks.